Hey, what's going on, guys? We got episode 10 of the Flight Performance and Fitness Podcast. I am Dylan Gutile. I'm here with Jared Collinson, fearless Jared Collinson. Uh, we do not have a guest today. We wanted to just kind of talk over some things that we've been going over with our entire staff the last uh, couple months. And particularly now that some of the seasons are, are kind of starting to open up and some sports are starting to open up, um, athletes are going to start practicing again. Um, so we wanted to kind of talk about some principles and some some different things, requirements of the sport and ways to get our athletes prepared, um, given the situation we have right now. Um, so what, Jerry, you can kind of start us off here. What are some of the things that you've been kind of considering as far for programming for your athletes lately, um, kind of getting ready for their season opening up? Yeah, well, I think, um, and we've been talking about this, like you said, for the last couple of months and, and whatnot. Um, but now as seasons are starting to get a little bit closer, you know, it's, it's, and we were talking about this before the show started that we can kind of take this as a situation of similar to someone who has taken, you know, two to three years off of training and coming back into training. Right. Cause these athletes who haven't played sports, field sports, court sports, those kind of things for six to eight months, you know, that's a pretty significant chunk of time. And I don't think that they've really probably if ever spent that much time off from their sport. So, you know, they're going to be very deconditioned from a, from a tendon perspective, from a ligament perspective, um, probably from a proprioception perspective of, you know, reacting, changing direction and all that stuff and re reacting to the stimuli that are, you know, that their sports demand. So I think that, you know, we can kind of get into the X's and O's of what we do, but kind of more the overarching themes of what, what are we looking for from their specific sports and what do we need to get them back to being able to do pretty well? Um, because similar to, you know, a collegiate athlete who's just started their first job and they're a year or two into their first job and they go out and try to play a game of pickup basketball and they, you know, they tweak their ankle or they pull their hamstring or they, or they roll their, they roll their ankle, something like that, you know, that's going to be a pretty common thing. And it's really, realistically, it just comes down to the fact that they weren't prepared from, you know, what they've been doing for preparation. Yeah. I mean, I think one, you know, one overarching concept is sort of this idea that what, what we were doing before to prep athletes just isn't going to be enough anymore. You know, like it, it's just, you know, we were doing a certain amount of volume of speed work, change of direction work, strength work. And because of how deconditioned these athletes are going to be, you know, without any of these practices, without, you know, playing their sport or, you know, multiple sports for, for months, um, we're going to have to think about it differently from a volume perspective and an intensity perspective and, in all those realms to get them ready because yeah, the, they're starting so much lower on that scale. So we can't just do the same amount um, of these certain things and at the same way we were doing them and expect a different, you know, or expect the same result given where they're starting from. Yeah. And I think it's something that coaches and especially, you know, I know that some of the higher level coaches, I know the guys, um, you know, Ryan with the, with the head coach of the free Jacks, like he was, you know, very well aware that we're getting some guys that are coming in from different, you know, backgrounds that have been playing some guys, some of mostly the American guys haven't been playing for eight to 10 months. But my concern more so is with like youth coaches, high school coaches and stuff like that. And they generally don't even know what that loading even looks like. Um, and they're used to just getting, you know, they're used to getting their basketball players in the winter fresh off of soccer season or fresh off of football season. So, you know, maybe they had four to six weeks off and realistically, they're not going to lose much from a conditioning perspective there. It's probably actually going to be beneficial for them to unload for a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's going to be for us as strength conditioning professionals. I think it's, there's going to be a large emphasis on 
can we get those athletes back and ready so that we can keep them from getting injured as they get into it? Yeah, I think one focus, I think at least from my perspective is, you know, almost a little bit less. I mean, we've always been a pretty like, you know, strength focused um, facility. And as far as like, at least hitting those requirements first, checking that box off um, before we're really increasing in intent, you know, intensity from a speed perspective and like a plyometric perspective, you know, at least having kind of that baseline of strength, um, which I think obviously still is still going to be important in the situation. But I think in some level, the volume of strength work can probably go is probably what needs to go down a little bit. And there probably needs to be an increase in that plyometric deceleration force production in that, you know, the, the more sports specific movements, um, you know, so that they're at, they've actually gone through that, the, what they're going to do in their sport um, compared to, you know, the, the volume of strength work that, you know, they probably don't need to put on a whole lot of strength right now. That's probably not going to help them quite as much um, from a, you know, tendon perspective as, as doing a little bit more high intensity work from a, you know, the speed and change of direction standpoint. Yeah. And I think that that's something that, um, one, we've, we've really refined our process over the last couple months with those things and, you know, introducing new drills and, you know, work, uh, a lot of work ons for our athletes. Um, but I think that, like you said, putting, putting that more, putting that into effect more, um, has been something that I've tried to do a lot with, a lot more with my programming where, you know, I'm just trying to sprinkle in as much opportunity for them to get athletic based movement in and probably not as much of an emphasis on all right, how, how heavy they're going to clean today, how heavy they're going to squat today. What's, what am I going to do for an accessory lift? Right. So like, you know, talking to some of the methods and whatnot using the aerobic plyometrics in the beginning, maybe with some, you know, even just light exercises, you know, like some hopping, some bounding, um, some pogo hops, skipping variations, right. Things that aren't going to be super high in terms of, um, I guess like overall physical stress, but we can kind of build like a longer accumulation of those things. And that might be something that I might start off with before going into, you know, maybe a more vigorous power dependent, or eccentric dominant plyometrics. So those first couple blocks might even look a little bit more like plyometrics and look more like sport versus where we used to maybe do a quick little abbreviated two to three sets, some sort of run, some sort of jump, some sort of throw, mm-hmm. and then kind of get right into the weightlifting aspect from there. Um, I'd say that's one thing that I've definitely started to shift um, a lot of my programming into. And I, I think a lot of our coaches have. Well, yeah, I mean, I think our, our, our emphasis on more, like, like you said, like, I think we have more low intensity plyo speed drills that we do now that kind of can build up the, you know, the tendon and, you know, the tissue resiliency without, yeah. without being so high intensity. And it can kind of like, you know, that can be the baseline, you know, say we have, say we're like four months out of sport of, of, you know, playing that maybe that first month is a little bit more on the side of those low intensity you know, drills that we're talking about that are, you know, they're still working on skills that are specific to speed, acceleration, change of direction. Um, and, but they're not, you know, they're not extremely intense, but they're enough yeah. intensity to sort of build up a little bit of resiliency and that can get ramped up. And, you know, those, str- those drills slowly start to kind of trickle out as much. And we start to bring it into more, you know, you know, we did, a, I did a post on it today um, of some of the drills that we do for force production and then some of the force, uh, some of the drills we do for force absorption and then, you know, what like a hard change of direction is. And if, you know, if you're doing a hard change of direction, that's going to be actually pretty intense. And that's a lot of eccentric stress. So we have to, there has to be a little bit of a trickle up to that 
um, from an intensity standpoint. I think some of those drills can kind of fill that void of low intensity, plyometric, eccentric um, kind of force absorption, along with also teaching skills that matter, you know, and creating some context for the athletes. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I love what you said there. And like, if you think about it coming into a season, you know, a regular training session might be 60 minutes, 90 minutes. Some, some sports are even training for two hours. And if we've only given them five to 10 minutes of total, you know, running, jumping, skipping movements, we've pretty much set them up for, for uh, failure there. Right. So, you know, realizing that it doesn't necessarily need to be a time timeline that we're looking at of, Oh, it's gotta be 60 minutes of this, but let's try to replicate the amount of work that they're going to get done there. Um, the best we can. Right. And that's where I think, you know, periodizing some of those aerobic plyometrics and like you were saying, some of like the lighter, lighter ground contact work just to develop, you know, overall systematic strength and, you know, resiliency and, and, and building a good abundance of that stuff is going to be super valuable in terms of, you know, keeping them from getting calf pulls, Achilles, all that, all that stuff as they go back out there and, you know, we've only given them five minutes worth and now they have to go repeat for, you know, two hours, three times a week. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think if we go into like a little bit more specifics, um, you know, I think that's one thing we wanted to talk about a little bit. Uh, one of the, you know, some of the challenges we've had is, is space, you know, so if we're, if we're trying yeah. to get them really game ready, obviously they're, you know, you got to hit a little bit more higher velocities, um, top speed kind of work. Um, and we just don't really, you know, with, with the way we kind of have to block everything out, keeping people, you know, with some space, it's, it's been really hard for us to kind of get that top speed work in. Um, and just enough space to really do like a lot of higher level change of direction reaction stuff um, with, you know, a lot of people, you know, um, kind of small game sort of stuff. Um, yeah. So, you know, we've had to definitely change a little bit of our, our strategy with that. And so, I mean, we talk about a few of the, few of the exercises that we've, that we've kind of added in to kind of replicate a little bit of that. You know, I think something we've done a lot more of, and I think it really started when we, when we did that Derek Hansen um, seminar, kind of just like, you know, overall running technique and um, sprinting mechanics and stuff. And we've just added so much more band resisted skips and, and high knees and sprinting um, just to be able to, you know, get them in the right mechanics first and slowly build ground contact, slowly build up. Um, range of motion and build up intensity there. Um, obviously, it's not replicating, you know, we're not acting like that's going to replicate top speed work. It's not the same with as far as from, you know, horizontal force production and, and um, kind of like the eccentric absorption, but it, it can get it can get pretty close to a lot of the demands that we're looking for, at least a lot of the qualities I mean, we're looking for. Yeah, especially from like muscle innervation and whatnot. And actually what I think, what I was thinking of when you were saying that just now is just that we probably have actually done them, you know, a, a good service by, you know, really slowing them down. They haven't been able to do as much field work and we can actually really drill them and probably actually make a pretty big shift in terms of their running mechanics and their mechanics and all these things because we, because of our requirements and, um, you know, our challenges just based on, on space, we have to pretty much just do a ton of drills, right? right. Like we can let them go and let them do these things and let them experience these things. We actually need to kind of give them more context through drills. And if anything, we're probably going to be helping them out in, in the long term, just because we've given them, you know, much more, 
I guess, direction on how, how things should look and how things should feel so that when they do go ahead and get most of their running volume out on the field or their jumping volume, playing basketball or whatever sport it is that they're doing that, you know, they're going to be better in terms of knowing where to be with landing mechanics, with running mechanics, with change of direction mechanics and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, especially for some of the newer, like the younger athletes who kind of just like, you know, they really don't have any, they have no proper training on any kind of thing, you know, sprinting mechanics or anything like that. And not that like, I don't think you do, I don't think every kid needs this like crazy overcoached thing on how to run, you know, like, you don't. we're not saying that, but slowing it down for a lot of people is going to be a very positive thing. And then being able to like ramp it up correctly and, yeah. and get them to that top speed with, you know, with maintaining position is, is definitely beneficial, you know, for a lot. And some of these actually higher level athletes who have, who have found ways to get, you know, get speed in, in these not great positions and have kind of always been like banged up because of it. Um, yeah. I feel like I've seen the benefits of, of slowing it down a little bit and not being able to kind of get that, those, those full top speed reps. Well, definitely. I mean, if you think about it, even just from, I mean, this might be a little bit far-fetched, but people talking about how they want to improve their posture and they're like, all right, well, I do all this like posture work in the gym, this and that. It's like, all right, well, maybe we spend like an hour or two hours, a couple days a week, give, putting you in the right position so that you can have good posture. But what are you doing? You know, the other 12 to 15 hours of the day that you're, that you're up and about. I mean, that could kind of be what we're thinking of and talking about when we're talking about athletes going out there. Right. So now we have almost all the rights of the, of their movement whereas they're not going out on the field and running with poor running mechanics or jumping with bad jumping mechanics, landing with bad landing mechanics, because it is a little bit more drilled and regimented through, through us. So that, like you said, even with some of our higher level athletes that, you know, get hamstring pulls on the regular and they're always dealing with calf stiff stuff like that. Now maybe we've actually been able to, you know, push them through that threshold a little bit more. I mean, I also think we've just, because of the lack of being able to do some more higher velocity stuff, we've ramped up the volume of, of change of direction and, you know, like kind of these like short acceleration, reacceleration stuff, because, you know, you can still do the, you know, the space that we have for each athlete, these kind of boxes is, yeah. is enough space to do pretty hard changing directions. And, you know, I think that's those kind of drills and those, and, you know, very specific work on that and a lot of volume there, I think will also, you know, most sports are more played in that, in that, you know, kind of, uh, that's the, distance yeah and position so like I think ramping that up and really working on all those specific skills I think is going to pay off a lot from an injury injury um reduction standpoint you know all that all the that kind of eccentric eccentric work on when, when you're changing direction so much eccentric force you have to absorb and you know yeah. being able to kind of accumulate slowly accumulate volume there throughout this kind of weird <laughs> six to eight months <laughs> span I guess uh I'm more like more almost a year at this point um was probably good for a lot a lot of these athletes and you can kind of see the benefits of of how their quickness and their acceleration has kind of increased and being able to like you know actually like get out of cuts quicker because we're actually you know we just happen to do have have to do a lot more volume in that's in that place you know yeah and I think um you know a lot of the stuff that you and Vinny have taken away from Joel Jameson has been super beneficial for us too because you know and a lot in a lot of our years past, you know, we can kind of rely on their sport to be their conditioning. We don't really have to give them too much conditioning. So um, just with you guys learning a lot in there and that space, that's been helpful for us to, you know, be able to 
to off-feet conditioning work or, or even just like, you know, more high rep strength stuff with, you know, specific rest protocols and whatnot so that we know that we are checking off the boxes of, you know, what, what does their actual aerobic conditioning look like? So when they go out in the field, they're not going to be these super powerful athletes that can't, they have no repeatability, you know? Uh, so we've been able to kind of identify, you know, what, where their weaknesses are in terms of their conditioning protocols and, you know, through off-feet conditioning and sleds and, other things like and other tools we've been able to utilize. I think we've actually done a pretty good job of just getting them ready from a, you know, a VO2 max perspective standpoint or, you know, an oxygen consumption perspective. You know? well, and I think, I think, unfortunately, that's sort of been the, the weakness in the strength conditioning industry for a long time um, is that energy system work. And, you know, Joel Jameson's obviously made huge strides with it. And, you know, he's been like kind of running the, running the show with that for the last couple of years, but um we, I think we, we were kind of on that boat a little bit. Like we were a little slow as far as energy system development. And it's, I think we've all, we've just realized in the last like couple of years, just like how little, you know, we were really, were checking boxes pretty well from a strength perspective, but just like not really from an energy system perspective. And then when you look at like, you could, you could do all this great stuff from, a, you know, speech, acceleration, change of direction, strength. But then if they can't actually main, like, you know, if they don't have an aerobic base and they don't have specific, um, you know, energy system development for their sport, it's really not going to fucking matter. Like they're not going to do well. They're not going to perform good if they no, don't they have the perform well for five seconds and then they don't yeah. have, they don't have it the rest of the game. Yeah. Also just local tissue perspective, right? Like if they don't have the, you know, the conditioning of, of those local tissues, because, yeah. you know, Dylan likes to spend six hours a day under the squat rack. And now, now the kid can squat 500 pounds, but it doesn't matter because he can only hit one person once in the beginning of the game. And then he's gassed for the rest of the game. Hey, what are you trying to say, bro? I'm saying you're got a very impressive back squat. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <can> take that. <laughs> uh, but you're probably not going to play rugby. Anymore. Probably not. Probably wouldn't <laughs> do well on the field right now. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's been big. And I, I do think that it's it's something that can even be developed more um, is, un, you know, trying to figure out ways to to get that kind of energy system development in in throughout, you know, our our change of direction work and our acceleration. You know, like I think that's something we've also done a little bit more of is turn some of those those some of that drilling stuff into into our energy system work and just from a rep, you know, work to rest ratio and trying to build that accumulate volume there um, from that standpoint, you know, which is something I think we always thought of it as like, okay, we have, we do our, our power, you know, our power work and our strength and our accessories. And then it's like, all right, whatever time you have left, we'll, we'll throw in some conditioning. Whereas if, if, what'd you say? If we get there. Yeah. If we get there, exactly. Whereas now it's like, I think we've actually realized that that needs to be a part of, of, the entire session and thinking about how we can, you know, incorporate specific energy system work into our plyometric and, and speed work. Um, not all the time, obviously, like you, you're not going to, you're not trying to get, do everything fatigue. We want to, we want high quality work sometimes when it, when the intensity is going to be high, but then as we get closer to the season, it needs to be, we need to make that those work to rest ratios pretty similar to the, to the game or it's not really going to carry over. You know, yeah. Um, and then I think even some of the things that we've kind of shifted to in the weight room um, that have been helpful in terms of just just manipulating, um, you know, how fast we're doing things. 
things like hamstring curls or things like bow slide lateral lunges or reverse lunges where we're almost kind of like doing like a depth drop into those positions. So that we're really working on um, those, those yielding forces and, and the breaking forces. And that, that, those are some other things that, you know, are going to be helpful in terms of that return to play of how quickly can we contract and relax, contract and relax, contract and relax. Cause that's, you know, that's running, that's change of direction. That's, that's stopping to and reacting to somebody else. Um, and I know that we've utilized these a decent amount of things like hamstring tantrums and stuff like that in the ball, because that can kind of simulate more of that top speed um, mechanical positioning stuff that we're going to get from running. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think mixing up those tempos it's, it, and it's like, I think people can get confused by some of that stuff because it, it you know, because it, you know, you look at like, all right, let's, let's take an actual exercise for instance, let's say like an RFD and, you know, obviously most RFDs, people are just going to do like a normal kind of tempo, like maybe controlling it coming down and then exploding out. Right. Um, but, you know, we're talking about something like maybe a, like a fast as possible eccentric to an ISO to a fast as possible concentric. Right. That's kind of something you were sort of talking about. Um, yeah. And, and I think, you know, it's not like that. We're not saying that that is going to be like, that's going to increase their, her, you know, acceleration or something or, or increase their speed. But if, if we're, if we can try to make some of that strength stuff a little bit more specific from a, like you said, like the, the tissues contracting, relaxing and being able to stabilize in these kind of like deep hip flexion positions, um, it, it's, that's going to carry over better than slow strength. You know what I mean? So it's like even we're still going to get that force, you know, that higher force production stuff in um, or I guess like higher kind of like force output stuff with our, you know, some, some whatever their main strength exercises most likely, but um, or maybe they're, you know, like something like a clean or hex bar jump. But but like that, you know, having mixing up those tempos and having some, you know, faster eccentric, faster concentric, more explosive work in the strength, um, especially leading into the season, it it's it's going to be more beneficial from just an overall kind of like essentially central nervous system perspective and from a perspective of the tissues, you know, and I think it's, it's something that we've definitely played with more. And I feel like you've seen, um, you know, it's sort of anecdotal, I think, but um, just more of like, you know, seeing how the athletes are progressing in that, in, in that way. But it, it definitely, if, you know, from hearing what they say and, and looking at it, it seems like it's made, um, some benefits from a perspective of, you know, controlling force, having a little bit better breaks and a little bit more power coming out of cuts and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, do you have any other like different exercises, you know, kind of more specific things that you're kind of thinking about from a, even a strength perspective? No, I mean, just some of the loadable things like that, that, I mean, you kind of nailed exactly what I was thinking of. Um, but like even some of those propulsion steps that, that you, that you posted on Instagram earlier today, um, things like that, where we're actually getting these concentric, you know, full force exertion exercises, um, where we're not really worried about breaking or anything like that. Like that's where some of these issues are going to come up when we get into season, if they're not kind of already prepared there, right. If they're, if their tissues aren't, because there's one thing, I mean, we can talk about the different levels of what, of what they need, right? They obviously need to have some sort of strength. They need some sort of aerobic base, but they can't be reaching into areas where they haven't been. And we're talking about, you know, just duration as being one of them, but, you know, magnitude and speed and velocity is going to be another one because 
you know, it's like you could, you could put a bodybuilder out in a basketball court and bodybuilders look amazing. You know, they're very strong and they probably actually have a pretty decent aerobic base. But the second he goes to cut hard and change direction hard, his adductors have never done anything like that. His, his body's not, not used to producing and yielding force in any way like that. He's going to have, he's going to have a pretty tough time out there and he's probably going to walk away injured. Right. So it's like those kind of things are, are the things that we need to be, you know, making sure that our athletes are ready for. So those propulsive steps, those, you know, fast, fast, uh, eccentric lateral lunges, stuff like that. Again, like you said, it's not, that's not sport, but we're getting some of the same qualities that we're, that the sport is going to require. And that's going to put them in a better, you know, better place to succeed. And, and I think another example would be something like, you know, um, a landmine push press or you know some one of those kind of like jammer presses even like band resisted so there's even less deceleration um you know something like that you know if you look at that from a shoulder perspective um you know being able to fully explode everything you have with your whole body into something um you know that like you said it's like if if you haven't done if all you've done from an upper body perspective is just normal strength work you're not going to be ready when, when something comes up in the, in the sport where you have to explode a hundred percent with their shoulder or you have to take in that force, you know what I mean? And it's, and that kind of, that's where it's like as many, if we can put them in a bunch of different positions, different ranges of motion that are all kind of relatively sport specific, at least from a tissue standpoint and really go, go through with a little bit higher velocity, more power production, a little bit more eccentric force um, yielding um, demand that's going to be beneficial and it makes a lot of sense doing that leading into leading into their season. Um, and then maybe, maybe it's like at the beginning that, you know, that off season is where we're doing a little bit higher volume in just that kind of basic strength work. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we've, we've hit this topic pretty, pretty strong from a couple different angles. Is there anything you want to, you feel like you want to add that um, different things that we've used or, different parts of methods yeah no i think i think we pretty much covered that pretty good i think so as well um so that is all we got folks that is episode 10 of the flight performance and fitness podcast thanks for listening and check us out next week